When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to From Corban to Coruscant, Amazing Avenue's My Lorian <laughs> Podcast. I'm there we Papa. go. I like this rebrand. <laughs> I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. And uh, it's probably for the best this week that Ken isn't here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, fun, fun, fun little fact here. I was at my girlfriend's place uh, before we were recording this. And originally I was thinking, oh, well, I'll just stay here and I'll, like, hop on to do the podcast real quick and it'll be fine. And then I realized, wait, we're going to be talking about Star Wars and I'm slowly bringing her through the animated stuff. I can't spoil the things. I better go home. So at, like, 8.25 I realized this. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go. And just, like, sprinted the three blocks home. See, that's dedication, folks. Mm -hmm. To the Dedication to the bit. That is. It really is. All right, so we'll start things off promote extend trade. And as we all know, obviously, the uh, Omicron variant is in the U.S. now and it's presumably spreading. And obviously, you don't want to catch that. So what other three communicable diseases are we going to promote extend or trade here? fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) First, we have Gamorrean mumps. Next, we have... Rackle plague, and last are the nerf pox. The nerf pox? I don't actually know what that one is. 
Well, I can I tell you, you do not want to catch Nerf bucks. Nerf bucks? Is this? <laughs> a... I don't think I want to catch any of these, to be honest with you. No. no. <laughs> trade, trade, Nerf trade, pox trade. was a virus that affected Alderanian youths. Trevor Insavade caught it in 22 before Battle of Yavin. What Best is stuff, this? Right before the battle. What the hell is this? Steve's breaking up the stuff not even in the canon anymore. <laughs> like, I th- I would have expected you to pull out, like, the blue shadow virus or something. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want that. That's, you know, that was a bad time. I mean, uh, that, that sounds legit bad. Like, like. Horribly, horribly bad. Just, just to clarify, Steve, you've not watched the animated shows in their entirety, right? I have not. So basically, uh, this isn't like an essential episode or anything, so I don't mind spoiling it. Uh, on Naboo, uh, a separatist scientist who is voiced in like the most uh, faux ger- Nazi German way imaginable is trying to reconstruct a an old virus. Uh, that basically kills you in a couple hours, which is just fantastic. And then uh, Ahsoka and Padme wind up infected, and Anakin and Obi-Wan have to go to the planet where the angels live, which is mentioned in episode one. So that's a, that's a whole thing. Uh, Blue Shadow right. Virus, bad time. It does sound, but is it as bad as Nerf Box? I don't even know what Nerf Box is! <laughs> All right, well, how about the Gamorrean mumps, then? Do you really yeah, want to catch Gamorrean mumps? I mean, I don't want to catch the, the mumps that exist in our world today. True. Right, so imagine how much worse it would be for Gamorreans. Yeah, exactly. You get in space mumps? I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to you then. Gamorreans, for those <laughs> of you who don't know, are the pig people in Jabba's palace. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think I, I think I would take, out of all three of these, I think I would just take Raku Plague. Just take a small plague. Just turn me into a raccoon and call it a day. What's what's a bit of a plague among friends? Which uh-huh. has honestly been America's uh, response to COVID. So. Yeah, Very I mean, true. I guess you get to become a Sith enslaved zombie. Essentially, <laughs> like that's pretty cool. And there is a cure to Raku Plague, whereas I do not know if there is a cure to Gamoria Mumps or the Nerf Box. So Wait, can you can you please explain what the fuck Nerf Box is? The 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 Wikipedia page is entirely unhelpful. That's all it is. It's just the Nerf Box. I'm assuming it's an analog for Chicken Box. I mean, if that's all it is, then that's the one I want for sure. Cause yeah, because that's like that's like the the easiest one to get over. Yeah, but it also might not be an analog, though. It might be something, like, even worse. It could be, like, the bubonic plague. Who knows? We'll never know, though, I guess. I guess I, I'm 100% trading the Gamorrean mumps. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for I sure. That sounds will promote the pox. <laughs> devil you know, devil you don't know compared to the devil you do. I don't know how, how to use that saying here. And due to no other choice, I'm I'm promoting the plague that lets me become a uh, Sith-controlled zombie. Unless I was Force-sensitive, in which case I'm safe. All three of our listeners have at this point turned off the podcast. This is So I'm on the Wikipedia page for Nerf Pox, and the only link that there is a broken link on Disney. Yeah, exactly! There's nothing! There's no information (laughs) about what this is! (laughs) This is totally useless. This is awesome. 
Well, I guess we should try to get our listeners back and talk about a little baseball before we go completely off the rails. Uh-huh. Because um, we did have some baseball action, some relevant baseball action this week, so we'll talk about that. Um, the minor league, the, the, excuse me, the major league portion of the Rule 5 draft, we know, as we spoke about last week, it's been postponed indefinitely because of the lockout, but minor league players are not part of the union, so the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft still took place, and as we talked about last week, the rules are basically the same, except, you know, the, the players involved are generally, um, uh, lesser caliber than uh, the guys that would be in the major league portion of the Rule 5. I mean, put it, so, put it this way. Take the, like, close to 0% success rate of major league Rule 5 picks, tune that yeah. down by about a factor of 100, and you're looking at Rule 5, uh, minor league Rule 5 picks. Yep. So the Mets made two picks. And with their first pick, they selected a right-handed pitcher, Alex Valverde, from Tampa Bay Rays. Valverde was originally drafted by Tampa in the 22nd round of the 2017 draft out of uh, Miami-Dade College, which is a JUCO down in Florida. He was never really considered a a top prospect as a high school senior, which is why he was never drafted out of high school. But he did have solid stuff. And when he did have the success that he had at at Miami-Dade College, it did open some eyes. He pitched there for one year, and he posted a 180 ERA in 85 innings with 52 hits allowed, 20 walks, and 92 strikeouts. And he was going to transfer to the University of Alabama, but he never actually pitched there because of, you know, transfer rules and the fact that the Rays then drafted him in the 2017 draft. And they liked him because he got, as a 22nd round selection, he got a $272,000 signing bonus, which is... Yeah, that's... Incredibly good for someone selected that far down. Um, I don't want to say that he's been overmatched as a professional ever since, but the numbers have been like pedestrian at best. Um, in his first year at the Rays, which is 2018, he had a 456 ERA and 108.2 innings at low A, Bowling Green. In 2019, he was basically only a reliever. And he had a 4.29 ERA in 65 innings at high A. Um, he played in the AFL in 2019, and he was decent. And unfortunately, you know, COVID happened, so he wasn't really able to carry that momentum into 2020. Um, this year, he pitched in Double A, and you know, again, the numbers were not really that great. A 4.8 ERA, but if you do look under the hood and you do look at some of his peripherals. Trended in the right direction. His strikeout rate, it jumped to 28.7%, which is a career high by almost 10% more. Uh, his home run per fly ball rate, it shrunk. You know, maybe that uh, his BAPIP was, you know, not great, which would explain why the service numbers were kind of and the peripherals were all right. Maybe it's just kind of a one-year statistical noise kind of thing. Maybe there were legit improvements. Who knows? Um, but... I guess we will see next season. I have to um, admit that I am way too into this guy, actually. I I had him on a, a, our list where we were going to talk about Major League Rule 5. I had him picked out from the Rays system for a couple different reasons, and I'm sure none of them will pan out, but uh, I'm legitimately interested in seeing what the Mets do with him. Yeah, it's... it's it- all these guys are like very big flyers and stuff, but he's at least kind of interesting. So, 
I'm also uh, a sucker for these. Um, sort of almost like a Jordan Yamamoto type, and to be clear, Jordan Yamamoto is a better prospect. But he's there's a similarity here in that Valverde has a bunch of secondaries that are probably average, if not slightly above, already, and. Uh, they work at the level he's at, but his fastball sucks. And that's kind of Yamamoto's deal, right? Wherein he throws all these good secondaries, and you look at them, and you're like, man, how is this guy not having more success? And it turns out his fastball is just way too freaking hittable. So I think the BABIP and home run to fly ball issues he's he's had are are not totally a mirage. Um, at the same time, this is a guy who clearly has a feel for spin, even has a, a feel for a very good changeup. Um, that might honestly be his best pitch. And I think there's evidence to suggest that teams are better at optimizing fastballs than ever before. Uh, whether the Mets are is an open question, but, uh, there's, uh, 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 some things to play with here. If, uh, and I think if you can put it all together, there's, you get like an interesting reliever or depth starter out of it. Like that's, you basically stole it for free. And like I think yeah, he, he could probably me, go ahead, Steve. I say like, he gives me Steve Ciszek vibes, like just the kind of air fastball, the junk that he throws, the weird arm slot sure. that he throws from. Sure. He's 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 good against right-handers, but lefties hit the hit the shit out of him. But also like well, who Steve, that was a usable reliever for a while, you Steve, know. Ciszek had like a 15-year career. Yeah. Like, if that's what you get out of this, then, like, that's a huge win, like, a ridiculously big win. I think it's also, it also makes sense in terms of the org that they targeted, right? I think when you're looking at Rule 5 picks, there's, you want to do one of two things. You want to go to either an incompetent org that (laughs) has, that is very obviously missing someone, uh, or, uh, and that's not the race. Or you go to like the very, very competent orgs that simply have too many guys to protect, and that's what the race are, right? They have yeah. so they legitimately have or had. I didn't follow the entirety of the draft closely, and we obviously still have to do the major league rule five. They legitimately had like ten arms and a couple infielders that I would have been had if I was the GM of a rebuilding team. I'd be like, I want four of these guys. Like their organization is just insane, so I think there's a decent mm-hmm. chance that this, he's not someone that fell through the cracks for them. He's someone who just like they didn't have room for. But just because the Rays don't have room for you, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't be useful. Yeah, and like the Mets right now just we don't have the infrastructure to, to be like that. Yeah. Like the Mets aren't there yet with their new regime. Like Cohen took over in what like November of last year, and it was a. You can't really hire anyone through by, by then, and they've been working on all that stuff now. So, for now, just steal it from the from the good uh, organizations until you could do it yourself. <laughs> Basically, yeah, might as well. Uh, with their second pick, the Mets selected another right-handed pitcher, Carlos Ocampo from the Cubs. He was an international free agent that the Cubs signed at a Cartagena, Colombia, back in January 2016. Um, which at the time was towards the, the end of the international signing period. Well, more the middle, uh, I guess, than the end, because back then it was still uh, July 2nd to June 15th instead of starting in July. But Ocampo's career hasn't really panned out. Um, some of it was just because, you know, his his own on-the-field performance 
And then some of it was because it just factors out of his control. Uh, 2017, he missed the entire year because of the Tommy John surgery. In 2020, obviously, he missed the entire year because of COVID. So, you know, over the last four years, he's been out for two of them, which is not good for your development at, at, at this young an age. Basically, he has 152.1 innings total under his belt. And two-thirds of those innings are either at the Arizona Complex or the Dominican Complex. He has one year of full-season ball this past season. And he posted a 85 ERA in 47.2 innings, all in relief with low April Beach. Uh, 15 walks, 67 strikeouts, both of which were career bests. ERA wasn't pretty, but, uh, you know, 585 ERA. But the FIP was much better. It was a 388 FIP, and XFIP was even better. 3.12. Um, he's not exactly old. He is 23. Um, and he'll be in, in high A, I assume, next year, which is not terrible. But again, just so much lost time. And he's moved so slowly when he has been on the field. So, you know, eh. uh, stuff is, is okay. You know, low to mid 90s fastball has a, a pretty good slider. Um, He's just kind of struggled to command his his pitches, and he was kind of, you know, able to this past season, career bests with walk, but was an outlier or something, you know, different. Again, I guess we'll find I mean, out what's tell. going he's on. He's barely played, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, he's also just super hittable, like a 350 BABIP yeah. and a 17.6 homer to fly ball ratio. That suggests to me that he's – oh, shit, I always get this wrong. Command is ability to hit the zone, or is that control? Yeah, command, I always define it as, like, you want to put the ball over here, and you actually put the ball over there. Okay, and then control, Where control is... is... You're actually able to, like, pound the zone. So you can be terrible, but if you're still throwing, you know, if you want to throw something uh, high and in, and it ends up, you know, oh, down and away, but it's still in the zone, then your command is not good, but your control is at least there. So it sounds like he has control because he can hit the zone. But yeah, but he has no command because he's just. It seemed like he was just throwing shit in the zone. Very Edwin Diaz, right? I'm gonna throw my really good <laughs> fastball and really good slider. I'm just gonna kind of throw him at the heart of the plate, and you're either gonna swing and miss, or it's gonna be a meatball that you crush. Or it's yeah. gonna be like an accidental dot, which he does a lot of times too. Yeah, we're like he'll throw some fastball on the corner, and we're like, well. I don't know if he meant to do that, but, <laughs> but we'll take it. it's fine. Don't worry about it. Do it again. But and let's see. So the Mets they also lost a pair of players um, in back-to-back picks in the third round. They lost right-hand pitcher Alan Winans to the Braves, and then they lost right-hander Tommy Wilson to the Mariners, who then traded him to the Orioles for cash considerations a couple minutes later. Neither guy is really anyone that you're gonna. You know, cry about losing. Um, Wynans was drafted in the 17th round of the 2018 draft. Um, and then Wilson was also drafted that same year in the, in the 19th round. Um, in, in his two, in Wynans' two seasons with the Mets, he, he pitched for Kingsport 2018, Columbia 2019, and then split 2021 with Brooklyn and Binghamton. And he has a combined, over the course of his career here, 264 ERA and 109 innings over 67 relief appearances, uh, 72 hits allowed, 38 walks, 100, even 100 strikeouts. Numbers are fine, but he's just kind of always been on the older side. He's always been one of those guys that just kind of, you know, 
seems to have succeeded more because he's just throwing all kinds of things that the younger players really have never seen much before. And then when he's kind of, you know, facing older, more experienced pitchers, he has not had that kind of success. Basically, a uh, right-hander with a fastball that sits around 90, you know, is yeah, not going to uh, go very far. And then Wilson, he pitched in Brooklyn in 2018. He split 2019 with St. Lucie and Binghamton. And then he most, he, he missed most of this past season because of a shoulder injury. But when he was able to pitch, he, um, pitched for Binghamton. He threw like 15 innings towards the end of the year. He's a solid pitcher, actually. Um, but most people are going to remember him for being Biff's son, obviously. <laughs> And he does a lot of NFT work, so I hope he's oh, he does. laundering right. some laundering some money. I hope. Does Does Winans um, have a? I, I know Wilson is kind of a changeup dude. Was is Winans a changeup dude as well? Change up as I, I don't have my notes of him in front of me. They're actually still on the physical paper. This is how much of a dinosaur I am. I use actual like pad and huh. paper and. I always uh, forget to like transcribe it, so my notebook is like on my bookshelf somewhere. But I believe he's really just like this little slider guy. Okay. I'm sure he has a, a third pitch though. I mean, yeah, but well, my point with Wilson though is that he cl- strikes me as the classic. I succeed in the mo- low minors because I have a uh, some, a facsimile of a real changeup, and no one knows what to do with it. And then you get to AAA or the majors, and people are like, oh. This is just a changeup, dude. You got nothing else, and you're screwed. Yeah. yeah. These are like useful organizational guys, but um. Yep. Like I think the Mets went ceiling over floor mm-hmm. here with these two picks. Like I guess they're kind of trading the two picks out, the two pitchers for two pitchers, but they took two dudes who I could see having more of a ceiling, but also being like released in a year. But like that wouldn't be either Wilson or Winians, but they would also not make the Mets in two or three years anyway. So. I have no strong yeah. feelings on a compo, but I am fair, I have a fairly strong conviction that Valverde is a much better org piece or even prospect relative to to Wilson or Wynes. A better bet, I guess, is a good way to. Yeah, play. sure. However you want to phrase, I'd much rather have Alex Valverde than either of the pitchers the Mets lost. So to me, this I see this as an absolute win. Yeah, I like Tommy Wilson. He was he was solid actually, but. I don't think that he really had, you know, I don't think that the major league ceiling is there. And if if it is there, it's very, very, very fringy role in any kind. Look, if your org is going to wind up crying over losing a dude in the fourth round or the third round of the minor league rule five, uh, we've, you got some bigger problems. Oh, no, no. The org is not going to be crying. I might be crying. Uh-huh. We're looking at very different things. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, yeah, that is really the only baseball-related news this week. Um, we do have a baseball-related email, though. Um, so we'll do that now. Matt from Maryland, he asked a two-parter. Okay. Number one, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with each one separate. So number one, couldn't the Mets sign Chris Bryant to a $25 million minor league contract and then purchase the contract and add him to the 40-man roster after the lockout? Yes, in theory, but... No one would have, have to any leave the union for Chris Bryant ever again. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know that you can leave the union in that way. Could you? I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, yeah, you can. You can opt out of being in the union. I know Barry Bonds elected to not be part of the MLBPA at a certain point, which is why John Dowd exists. Yeah, but 
and Reggie Stockard in MLB The Show. <laughs> but yeah, like I, you know, Chris Bryant, he's he's a solid All Star, you know, in his in his prime. But Barry Bonds, he is not, and um, yeah, that would not be a good idea for Chris Bryant. Yeah, like there, there's been some minor league signings of major league players. I know D. Gordon didn't play. D. Strange Gordon didn't play last year in the majors, but he signed. And uh, Michael Franco signed, but it's like no big guy is gonna cross the picket line. Really, I guess is the best way to put it. To yeah, to sign a minor, like Chris Bryant's not gonna do that just because Chris Bryant's gonna get twenty five million dollars a year in two months. You know, like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have to do that. Like. Uh, a guy who may who might not get a minor league job or major league job might have to do that, and the circumstances for that guy are different than Chris Bryant or Carlos Correa or any other big name guy. Just because like everyone's just kind of gonna look at Chris Bryant and be like, "Damn, dude, really?" <laughs> yeah, but that would be the nicest thing to they say to him. Yeah, the, exactly. only, the only big major leaguer I want to see cross the picket line. I want to see Freddie Freeman cross the picket line to go sign with the Dodgers instead of the Braves, just because <laughs> I'll be laughing my ass off the whole time. But that's not gonna. It, it, I is, can't believe they let it go this far. It's honestly, absurd. like, it's that, like you just won the fucking World Series. Give him his sick. They're not even. They're not even haggling over AAV. Yeah. Give him his sixth year, you fucks. And like, yeah, like maybe it's not smart, but also he's Freddie Freeman. He's gonna retire. Then he gets to retire a brave and put his number up in the rafters and everything. Ex- exactly. He's the face of the org. So there's it, it's some it's it's a little bigger than than the on the field stuff sometimes, and the Braves are fucking that up. We're diverging wildly here, but let's see. <laughs> so over the last fucking hell, Freddie Freeman put up three and a three point three F four in twenty twenty. In yeah. 60 games? Good he was lord. Really good wow. Like, good fucking yeah. lord. Point is, a more normal Freddie MVP, Freeman... Yes, yes, yes. A more oh, normal okay. Freddie Freeman season is like four to five wins, and you're probably going to get that for like another two years. If you give him $180 million, you're basically paying for like 18 wins. And then like the DH is going to come. Probably. Yeah. like he's all, He gets to do that when he's old. Like He's almost certainly going to make good on that contract or come close. Like It's insane. Mm-hmm. Anyway... But yeah, I like so, he could in theory, but I just don't think in execution that would ever even be a thing that he would want to do. And honestly, he might be mad at the team that suggests that, and that might mess up negotiations later, depending on how much of a union guy he is. And now, second part, on a more serious note, why hasn't the players' union expanded their membership to include minor leaguers? They would increase their size, the strength of the union, but what's Dan's sign that I'm not seeing? So I think I think the problem is that he's wrong about it increasing the strength of the union because MLB will not care if the majority of minor leaguers are striking. Like, they yeah. just mm-hmm. don't give a shit. They'll be fine. Like, MLB needs major league players. They do not need... That's not fair. The system does rely to some extent on minor league players, but... The amount of marginal power you'd gain relative to the vast amount of new demands you'd have to be negotiating for. Yep. Exactly that. Not worth it for that. I mean, they should, like, to be clear, like, morally, they absolutely should. But. Yeah. Morally, yes. Mm hmm. has got nothing to do with it. And so the way some players have talked about, like, the minor leagues, it's instead of it being a, we should make it better, it's you should get through it and. 
they're just gonna a lot of people are gonna have that attitude in that regard for this too for unionizing them. Adam Eaton, stay yeah. retired, bitch. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy who I think of every time with this stuff. It's, it's mm-hmm. he's kind of made himself the poster boy about it because he's the true reddest of asses. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm sure he's not alone. Like, yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, just at the end of the day, it just you know if you start bringing up minor league issues at the bargaining table, that's more stuff that the owners can use as leverage against you know major league issues that need to be addressed and. You know, uh, unfortunately, it's just kind of how it is. Yep. So I hope that's uh, hope those are two good answers there. I mean, at least at least they're providing housing now. That's a step in the right direction. But then you'd have to like better pay, better benefits, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, realistically, the players aren't even going to get the things they're already asking for, like. Increased minimum way a minimum salary reduction to uh, revenue sharing, like it, it's it's a very frustrating situation all around because while they absolutely should bring in the minor leaguers, I also understand why they don't. Mhm. Well, maybe who knows? I mean, things just trending. Upwards lately for the minor league in terms of, you know, how, how players are being there. What's a good way of putting it? They're, uh, something of life. How is that? Why does that quality? Quality. Thank you. There you go. The quality of life has, you know, taken a decidedly upturn in the last, you know, couple of years. And, you know, hopefully that continues. And, you know, maybe we get to a point where, you know, it actually does become something that major leaguers then can attach the strength of their union to. But I'm not, uh, if I was a betting man, I would say not anytime soon. Yeah. And honestly, the only reason why we've gotten this far is because everything's too public now. Like, Right. It's the strength of, of the Internet and people. Yeah, social media. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, like, everyone's like, wow, this this strike is going to be so ugly. And it's like, you didn't think it was in 1994, but no one tweeted about it, <laughs> you know, because it didn't exist. Probably better for everybody that Twitter didn't exist in 1994. Probably be better for everyone if Twitter didn't exist now. <laughs> very, very good point. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, guys, so we have basically covered any baseball, any relevant baseball-related news on the first half of our show. So I have some news to share. I finished The Mandalorian. 
Steve, all right, all right, hold on. Let's let's stop. If you've not seen Mandalorian season two, we're gonna give you, let's say, five seconds to fuck off. One. I'm pretty sure I'm the only two, person that didn't actually see it. Three. Good. Four. Five. All right. If you're still listening, you don't get to complain about spoilers anymore. Now, Steve, how much did you cry when Luke showed up? Um, I did not cry. It was it was a lot of mixed emotions though. It was just like, huh? It's like an X-wing. Oh, that that can only be one person. Then it went to like denial. It's like, nah, they're not gonna have Luke Skywalker. They can't have Luke Skywalker. Then it's Luke Skywalker. And it's like, oh shit, it's fucking Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. And then when, you know, he has to take the baby, it's just like, oh shit. But he has to, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's just better for him. I, I will freely admit that I was sobbing the second I saw the X-Wing show up because I knew it was Luke. I'm like, oh god. That's not true. Started to tear up when the X-Wing showed up. And then when they, uh, as he's walking across the bridge in the room with the hollow floor, basically, and you see his lightsaber, then the sobbing really started. It's just pretty cool. And I can definitely appreciate, you know, showing off Luke's Jedi badass side, because you didn't really get to see too much of it. Yeah. And it's it, it it's it's a fun way to, like, kind of remind... Cause I don't know, I kind of forget that there's a larger universe with the Mandalorian sometimes because it's so, like, episode to episode and it's just kind of him doing his own thing. And then it's like, oh, yeah, like all this other stuff, too. Like, where you are, is like, they they tied into the larger universe, which was cool. Because that's really one of the first times they did it in a big way. Because they did it in smaller ways, but this was, like, the big one. Like, it's Luke, you know, it's literally the face of the franchise. I I would argue to the... And the animated show Ahsoka was a huge connection yeah, to that's the fair, that's fair. Yeah, but, but this was like the connection to yeah. yeah, this connection to everyone, right? Like everyone knows who Luke is. Literally, like the the most like I only saw the movies and the Mandalorian Star Wars fan would be like, oh, that's Luke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like if you if you haven't, you'd have to get explained who Ahsoka is, even though she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a fan of Ahsoka, but I that's don't because have any... you haven't watched yeah. the animated shows. Yeah, I've watched it's... that. I've watched enough of the animated show to... Ch- I- I'm decidedly neutral towards Ahsoka, but the problem is when the Clone Wars TV show came out in, like, 2012... 2011, 2012, whatever... 2008, I think. No. That's when I think the movie... Was she in the movie? Yes. Really? Huh, okay. Well, still, the point is, so much Clone Wars related media had been out already and she didn't exist yet so it's like that it, it, it's it's a meta thing where when they finally come up with her and insert her there's so much other stuff that she's not included that she kind of should be and it just causes a lot of like weirdness they handle that extremely well they do i would say they they make it make more sense than you would think because that's a good point <laughs> like she should be in everything because of how important she ends up being but I'm surprised that they haven't made, like, you know, George Lucas hasn't gone back to make a special edition of, like, Attack of the Clones that features a scene with her in it or something. So it's funny you mentioned She's in it for that. one second. She nods from across the room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she just looks, she looks at Anakin. Anakin looks at her. They're just like, hey. Yeah, that's so. it. They just walk by in the hallway. They're like, so oh, who's two, that? Oh, that's Ahsoka. Cool. Two things on that front. One, the sequels are really bad, but she was in uh, Rise of Skywalker as one of the one of the disembodied Jedi voices. So right. was Kanan, which I didn't know until recently. Um, 
That's the best part of the movie, to be honest. Oh, yeah, it's the only good part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by, by best part, you mean only good aspect yes, of yes, the entire film. I do. Um, I guess the lightsaber fights are good, too. Um, uh, choreography fights. Two, the point you're making, Steve, is actually handled really well. So if you don't know, Clone Wars aired, like, there were five seasons on Cartoon Network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Cartoon Network. Yes, yes. Um, got canceled. A brief sixth season on Netflix, canceled again. Then there were a couple years of nothing. Then there were four seasons of Rebels. And then finally, like two years ago, they finally made season seven of Clone Wars, at which point we see how she integrates into Revenge of the Sith, and it's also done extremely well. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you just got to commit to it. They handled it with enough care. Like, like they didn't, like, they realized your point, Steve. Like, they realized that a lot of people would agree with you because it, it's it's the yeah. truth. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's what's, it, she should be, like, retroactively she should be in it, but, like, they do handle it with care. Lucas is correct. I don't remember where I'm up to in the Clone Wars, because I, a while, like, it used to be on Netflix, so I started to, like, marathon it, because... I hadn't seen it, and then it got taken off of Netflix when when Disney Plus, I guess, got created. So I stopped, and I started pick like I just finished Mandalorian, so I picked it up. I saw I, I was going to pick it up anyway, but um, I was watching it with my mom, and I was just like, well, if I'm going to pick up where I left off, which was I think season like the end of season four, beginning of season five, I know she's going to question why the fuck is Darth Maul walking around. So I was like, all right, you know what? Since she's here watching. Let me go back to, like, the, the second season where they bring back Darth Maul so she at least mm-hmm. understands what's going on here. So I haven't actually picked it back up yet, but I will soon. Maul in the animated show is fucking fantastic character. Oh, I hate him. I hate it. I hate the whole What? Thing. Sam Whitmer needs to be in everything forever. I don't care. He's so good at his... Everything he's been in, I love. Just I, I just don't... I don't like the idea of, like, he's dead. Just leave leave it alone. He died. Goodbye. The end. Well, they messed up by killing him, to be honest yes. with you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes my, and no. Because my, my, my dream prequel uh, thing is that Maul was Vader's uh, master. And Maul was the reason why he turned Vader, like, he turned Anakin into Vader. Uh-huh. And at the end, Vader has to, like, do the Sith thing and kill him. Like, that's how I would have written the prequels. Because he's such a good character that there's no reason to kill him after one movie. Like, I feel like it's just a waste of him. It was totally a waste. Like, Dooku, it's so stupid. Dooku was lame as fuck. Exactly. He he was just an old pretentious man. He had a cool he lightsaber, was, that's it. Like, pretty much. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. The, the way Maul... How to phrase this? I agreed with you, Steve, at first, where I was like, this is stupid. Why they're they're out of ideas that they're bringing him back, but the tragedy that plays out with his life, particularly with how it culminates in Rebels, which you've seen, yes, yes, is just some of the best storytelling in Star Wars. I think it really just is. the arc of Maul between Clone Wars and Rebels is almost perfect. Man, I want to watch all this again. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'll see it. My my initial reaction, like I said, was I thought it was just kind of dumb. They brought him back, and from what stuff I do know of, you know, the kind of stuff that he does and and the direction that his his life takes him in, he he just seems a little too Mary Sueish. But again, I don't know the the 
details. So that just might be some, you know. Did you did you meet the night? So you saw how the Night Sisters on Dathomir work and how uh, Savage was created, right? Right. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think that's the just part of the justification for why Maul was so strong, and also he was just a very strong Sith at one point. Yes, he was. Also, I, I don't I, think. I don't know. I, yeah, again, though, like, I ha- I'll have to actually watch everything and see, because from just kind of vague details, I know it's just like, oh, wow, okay, Maul literally becomes, like, the head of the Black Sun and of every single pirate group, and he just basically mm-hmm. becomes, like, the, un- the, 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 the kingpin, and it's just like, mm-hmm. eh. Uh, now, Thomas will have to comment on this, uh... Without spoiling the actual participants in the fight, Thomas, uh, three-way battle on Mandalore, best lightsaber duel in the series. Ooh. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, it might pretty be. Good. It's so good. It's pretty, so good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I don't know if it's what you're referring to, but I know that there is, like, what I am really looking forward to is when he does eventually, like, confront... Uh, Palpatine. Ah, yes, that's what we're referring to. Yes. Okay, yeah, like I know, like that got hyped, and I was like, all right, yeah, that is kind of cool because it's a fucking fantastic fight. Where I'm at right now, <laughs> it's just like he is not really acknowledging like how he was just kind of abandoned and you know um, not yet really much anyway. So yeah, obviously, this this some sore feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The way they turn a character that all of us should hate, uh, be angry at, uh, there's actually a great, like, behind the, or like a director's uh, commentary scene where he's talking about the significance of Duel of the Fates and all that, and how Maul basically made Anakin by killing, made Vader by killing Qui-Gon and removing the father figure, et cetera, et cetera. So a figure that we should objectively regard with, like, intense anger turns it to someone that you feel nothing but pity for by the end. It's like, man, it's I feel bad that, for this guy. It's funny that some of the good, some of the best writing in Star Wars is like tucked away in the animated shows for kids. <laughs> I, I don't think it's even some of it. I think most of the best Star Wars storytelling is Dave Filoni's work at this point. And like, cause it is for kids. Cause they, they make it obvious that it is. And that's fine. Like it's still enjoyable. So I don't really care, but like, None of this is saved for the movies. <laughs> no. Not anymore, no. really. I mean, the, the the unfortunate thing is that they gave the movies, the, the sequels, to people who didn't give a shit about Star Wars, and it turned yeah. out bad. And yes, there are a lot of people who complain about them just because they don't like the fact that Ray's a woman, and those people are dickheads, but also, at the same time, the sequels are bad. Yeah, listen, you're not going to get an argument from me about that. Even, 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 I mean, it's a kid show, but even the episode about the Zillow Beast, right? They're presenting a real moral dilemma of, is it right to kill this unique organism to protect more people? Like, that's a legitimate moral dilemma. In a kid show! Spent like ten minutes debating this. In a kid show! Yeah, John, John Stuart Mills approves. Um, yeah, so... What other things happened to Mandalorian? Obviously, Boba Fett, but, you know, we, we know that... Depending on... on your what you what you regard as canon or not, but we know that Boba Fett, you know, lives. It's cool to see Boba Fett being Boba Fett because, as we've kind of uh, mentioned on, on Slack, 
the the Boba Fett fandom uh, that grew from his five minutes in Empire Strikes Back and five minutes in Return of the Jedi was very disproportionate. His it, first it, appearance was the holiday special, right? Yes, as a cartoon. <laughs> and that, that version so really resembled <sighs> the Mandalorian of the Mandalorian oh, more God. than Boba Fett. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They could do a lot of cool stuff with, with the book of Boba Fett, but also like all of his hype is projection. But also now they can be viewed as like they could actually do that stuff. So I'm I'm actually looking forward to it more than I thought I was. I am actually of the opposite opinion. I'm surprisingly not that interested, but I'll watch it. I'm mostly I'm mostly interested not to be like, oh yes, I love Boba Fett, but more like, what do you do with a character that so many people have hyped up based off like not much? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, there's so little actual screen time for him, uh-huh. and that now we're about to get like eight, eight episodes or ten episodes. I don't I don't know how long it is, but it's gonna be hours of content for him. It's the most he's ever been on it in, in in our faces. So what is that, what's the the time frame for that supposed to be? What do we right after season two? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. It's like in between two and three, I think. Right. Like in between season two and three of The Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a. Li- I was. I had tepid interest, but I'm a little worried by what I've seen in the trailers. That one line where he's saying he wants to rule with respect instead of fear. I'm like, That's they're gonna make mean. Boba Fett a good guy. That's yeah. Not what. <laughs> he was he was a bad guy, yeah, obviously in the movies, and then again with the fandom when it kind of appeared and people started liking Boba Fett, he kind of became somewhat of an anti-hero. That's I mean that to me that's what he should be like. They should make him an anti-hero, and he played a good quote-unquote good guy role in The Mandalorian, but that was because he had a debt to pay, and that made yeah, sense. Yeah, right. he had reason to. Right. He's like he has a code. He, I'm going to pay my debt, and I'm going to fuck off. Fuck you. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm worried they're going to make him another uh, goody two-shoes. Yeah, it's interesting. It, mm-hmm. it really is. Like, they could do so much, and it could be either good or bad. Like, I really don't know how it's going to be. Like, I'm pretty confident Mandalorian Season 3 is going to be good because mm-hmm. the first two are and the same people are involved. I have no idea how this is going to go, and that's kind of fun. That's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm so overhyped for... Ahsoka, the Ahsoka yeah, series, yeah. especially with the hints at where that's going, given who they've cast, uh, that I almost don't care about Boba Fett. I'm like, yeah, 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 <laughs> that's just fair. Get, that's fair. get this done and move on to the shit I want, please. What about Obi-Wan? I also kind of don't care. Yeah, um, I don't care either, really, but I'm going to see it. I'm going to watch it. I don't care just because, like, I don't know. The part of the whole mystique of Vader and Obi Wan in the sixth, fourth movie was mm-hmm. like they haven't seen each other in years. So why are they both in this series? You know yep. what I mean? Like yep, I agree. I'm I'm worried that they that they're gonna ruin it and they're gonna like meet a bunch and like interact all the time and I, then you kind of. I was thinking about it. that and I I agreed and I was thinking about that and I was I was talking to my mom about it and. I kind of, at first I was just like yeah that's dumb like if they actually meet which you know they're going to and and have some kind of confrontation like that kind of ruins their meeting in episode four yep. but at the same time you would think that you know once Anakin became Darth Vader he obviously he knows that 
you know, Obi Wan put him in the situation that he would in, he was in, you would think that he would go nuts over everything looking for Obi Wan. Oh, so in all if, the comics, he basically is eternally looking for Obi Wan. You right. just can't find him. So if they do have some sort of like conflict where he then now thinks, okay, Obi Wan is dead. It would make sense then that he can go on for the next fifteen years or so until Maybe, episode yeah. point. until episode four, and then like, oh shit, I'm sensing a presence I haven't felt in such a long time. What the fuck, Obi Wan? Instead okay. of instead of I've been searching for you past twenty years, and even though I am literally the second most powerful person in the galaxy, I couldn't figure out that you are hiding right under my nose, you know, uh, uh, across the street from my mom's old house. Literally. Literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I, I think the problem with my enthusiasm about the Obi-Wan show is that in my head, he's a broken man who's uh, literally hanging out in a hut in the desert. He has one job. He has one job only, and it's keeping Luke safe. And I don't really, at least in my head, he sh- he's not doing anything else. But, I mean, again, I'll watch it and see where it goes. Yeah, the the scope of the show really needs to be very local-ish. You can't have Obi-Wan flying around going, you know, different He hates flying anyway. Right, exactly. Uh, But the good thing is, like, the Star Wars Disney Plus stuff has gotten such a cachet for me that I'll watch pretty much whatever. Uh (laughs) Because all of it's been good. Like, I've enjoyed all the series. So I will give most of the series a chance just because they haven't failed me yet. One super cool thing that they they think about it just all you know just popped in my head now that they, that they could go to which would be pretty awesome is um, uh, they're in in the expanded universe and this was a a uh, meeting between Obi Wan and this other character on Tatooine he is a Tuscan Jedi he's a, actually he was he was a human mm. he was a human but he was adopted by yeah. Tuscans. What the hell and is his name, Steve? I can't remember it. I mean, he became Darth Krayt in, in right. Far, Far in the Future. Yes. Um, what the hell is his name? Now that's annoying me. I'll look, I'll look it up while you continue right. your thought. But there was a – they basically did come to blows while he was – after, you know, during during the Jedi Purge, Asherad Het, that's his name. Yep. Obi-Wan and Asherad came to blows and that, you know, because Het was – uh, a survivor and he was justifiably angry and he was like a, a dark Jedi at this point and he was rallying rallying the Tuscan Raider clans to raid human settlements and everything like that and he was going to be basically um he basically got too close to Luke and and the Lars homestead so Obi-Wan had to put a, a stop to that so that, that if they take that story from the EU and adopt it into the Disney canon that would be pretty cool Sure. I think they're going to do a lot of EU stuff just because it's already there for mm-hmm. you, for them to do it. And they can pick and choose what they actually want at that point and boot all the other stuff that's like, because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that you don't need. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I, I so- also, on a, on a semi-tangential note, but, I, but somewhat related to Obi-Wan v. Vader, I read this interesting passage from a book like an excerpt from a, an EU novel I'd never read that was Yoda sensing the Vader Obi-Wan fight in New Hope and how he just feels this horrible loneliness in Vader after he kills Obi-Wan. I'm like, well, that's interesting. If, if we're going to get some deeper exploration of like 
Anakin's tortured soul immediately after becoming Vader, I might be interested in that. But, again, in Filoni we trust. <laughs> God, could you imagine how good the sequels might have been if Filoni made them? You could have done so much. We would have had, like, a three-movie uh, three movie arc of, like, Thrawn leading the uh, Empire Remnant from the forbidden re- or uh, unknown regions. That's what. That's what the sequel should have been. The heir to the Empire got, trilogy. Yep. Instead, we got the shit we were handed. Well, they both 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 had really goofy clones, so <laughs> I guess that works. There's some True. similarities there. Well, we are. Well, Steve, if nothing Although, else. No, no, wait. Palpatine wasn't a clone, though, right? And he was just inexplicably alive for some reason. No, he was a. He was basically a clone that he cast his spirit into as he oh, was falling okay. down the shaft. It made no okay. sense. Okay. No fucking sense. Uh, perhaps the best impetus, if you're a Thrawn fan, to watch the animated stuff is to appreciate the re re the the. They basically recreated EU Thrawn. And, like, Filoni was like, no, EU Thrawn's too good of a character. He's going back in the canon. And he put EU Thrawn back in the canon. He is that good of a character. It w- And it's incredibly well done, I think. And now he's going to be the antagonist in the Ahsoka series. So, it's all, it's all there. It's all, it's all good. Should be good. Was he in charge of the writing of the Clone Wars cartoon, Filoni? The 2003 one? No, well, the 2008 one. The movie, yes. This is the movie and and then related series. Yeah, so that oh. that's him. Yes, and so and then Rebels as well, and also Resistance, which sucked, but no one cares. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that you know, he is not perfect, and he completely fucked up Mandalorians. I don't. I think the Mandalorians are more interesting now. I thought the old. I thought the EU Mandalorians were boring. They they, they were Spartans, basically. Like how that's that so one note. Like Dude, there's no depth to that. That's that's what they were. It doesn't have to be depth. They're just basically <laughs> dumb killing machines. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree. I think. I think there's. Much more nuanced to their society, um, as depicted in both uh, uh, Clone Wars and in the Mandalorian TV show. I like how the, the TV show, The Mandalorian, um, basically addressed the very weird differences between what Mandalorians, group of Mandalorians, and how they acted, and then basically every other Mandalorian in Star Wars canon. Mm-hmm. That whole thing with, you know, not taking off the helmet and, and being weird recluses and everything. And then, uh, what's her name? The blue... Bo-Katan? Yes, Bo-Katan. She's like, yeah, you grew up in like a weird-ass cult. It's like, oh, okay, that's a good way of rectifying everything there. Yeah, they were basically like, well, some of you are. Some some of us are. <laughs> Some of you are, some of us are normal, and some of us like you are just weirdos. Yeah, but, yeah, one, that, that basically is my biggest issue with, like, all the Mandalorian stuff, is just how different the Mandalorians were depicted in the show, and the cartoon, and 
how it just kind of screwed up like all the other continuity that was already there and caused a shit ton of like headaches like huh mandalore used to be like a forested jungle planet and now all of a sudden it's like a desert planet and it was kind of technologically low and now all of a sudden we have like giant dome cities and yeah it's a desert planet it, because their endless <laughs> wars fuck the environment it makes yeah, sense well, that's 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 something that they had to add in to try to rectify everything because literally everything was so different. And I give credit to, you know, uh, the guy that used to do all that kind of stuff, Leland Chi, who was in charge of like fixing continuity errors. That was a good one. But it, it also didn't... that would make sense, yeah, like logically. Right. They what they what they came up with was like uh, two hundred years before, like you know, around Battle of Yavin and everything. Like the Republic just got sick of the Mandalorian shit, and they just basically firebombed the entire planet. And, and I mean, I think that's a pretty re- uh, reasonable explanation given the kind of dickheads they were. Right. Oh no, Mandalorians <laughs> definitely dicks, and they definitely deserved it. <laughs> But again, then when you have books that were written prior to the prior to the Mandalorian show and Clone Wars cartoon that depict Mandalore or take place on Mandalore or or have Mandalorian culture as very 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 radically different, it's just like, well, come on, guys, like you should have been referencing this stuff. Yeah. So I, honestly, I think that's why they made all the expanded universe stuff non-canon when they when Disney. Oh yeah, first- no. Disney, like Disney could just have free reign to do what they want, and then yeah, because the stuff they do like honestly, all what a lot of stuff has been happening is stuff that's already in those expanded universe things. Just mm-hmm. because can we the can we also who, speak frankly about the EU for a second? If you're going to say that most of it trashed, okay, there's a I, lot of shit in the EU. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. I would stuff say twenty five percent shit, and then seventy five percent good. I would flip those percentages, Steve. No, 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 no. Because it's it's so big. It's so big. And there's so many things that they did for so long. And it was so left unchecked because it all was canon. Everyone and their mother wrote an EU-sanctioned Star Wars book, basically. There's a lot of bad stuff. There's a lot of stuff that shows... Off the top of my head, give you one really bad... Two, two really bad books. The Crystal Star... Yeah. And Dark Saber. Yeah. The original Dark Saber, not the uh black lightsaber thing, Dark Saber. Speaking of which, there is now a replica of the Dark Saber and I very much want one for my lightsaber display. Mm. My hypothetical future lightsaber display. <laughs> well, do we have any other points to talk to hit on here about Star Wars before we move on? Steve, Steve, you finally relented to Thomas and I, and to be frank, it was mostly I, because I'm an annoying asshole about this kind of stuff, but Thomas and I, and started playing Mass Effect, and that's gone pretty well for you. Maybe you should listen to us and watch all the animated shows. I'm just saying, you know, we have a perfect I'm going to. I I never said that I'm not. Honestly, the original hang-up I had with the Star Wars, with the Clone Wars cartoon, this is years ago, was I always watch it with my ex-girlfriend. And then uh, she broke up with me, and there was I'm a very emotional person, so I was just uh-huh. like, I can't do this, you. I can't even watch this. That's fair. Now I think, you know, five years later, I'm ready. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, hey, hey, Steve, we'll, we'll be your emotional support Star Wars fan. <laughs> Thank you, I really appreciate that. But though. before we go, since we're indulging in our fandoms here, uh, any Mass Effect updates? Um, 
would would you guys get really angry if I say it's kind of boring? Are you the still first in game one? is rough. Are you like, still in one? Yeah, I have I haven't recruited played all the companions. No, I haven't played it in like a week and a half, probably two weeks. Hmm. So the, the the first one, it's an old game, and it yes. it feels old sometimes. Yep. Like I don't know if when I play it again, I will if I will go back to one when I when I play it again, like like the next time. It's just old. Like two is really once you're past it, you'll you'll be fine. Yeah. Like I I, I promise you that. You the last thing I did was. I was I went to I don't even remember the name of the planet, but it's basically where I'm driving. Around, I got the vehicle when I'm driving around on like the snow and the ice. That thing. Did you, did you do that before recruiting Liara? I don't. Uh, um, yes, I think so. Oh, you should have gone to recruit Liara first. Oops. Oh. Um, did you recruit Tally Garrus Rex? I don't think so because. How did you leave the Citadel without recruiting Tally, Garrison, Rex? I don't know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Who's on my team? I'm using the big, scary, bounty hunter-looking alien guy. Does he look like a frog with a yes. hunchback? That's, yeah, Rex. that's Rex. Okay, so, yeah, and then I also have, like, the... Uh, the guy that's the same species as the guy that I'm hunting down, the evil guy. Garrus. Yes, okay. Garrus is the ultimate bro. There's no shepherd without Vicarian. Start sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> um, carry on. Did you recruit the girl with a helmet? Yes, yes. Oh, you got all three of them. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right, so you got those three, and you have Caden and Ashley. You should yeah. go to... What's the planet, Thomas? Mar- is it on Mars? No. No, no. You get you get her on Mars in Mass Effect 3. In Mass in Effect 3, 1, yeah. it's on... Uh... She's in the... She's in the uh... In the science thing, in right? The dig, in the archaeological dig. Uh, Fuck. Oh, we are a recruitment Mass Effect one. <laughs> Finding the art to Sony. Blah blah blah. Protein. Oh, she's on Ethereum. Is that the planet? Ethereum in one. Yeah. So I I don't even remember. Oh mm-hmm. no, it, she's in the Gnosis system in Ethereum. Yeah. Right. That's she's like I'll, in a in an archaeological dig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If possible, Steve, when you go back, I would go grab her before proceeding on Nuveria because her mother is the person you're tracking down on Nuveria. Yeah, it's it's good story stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will. It's like that. it's like the games are weird where you could do things in whatever order, but also mm-hmm. you, you should do things first sometimes. Right. Yeah. It's an optimal. It's very it's very Bioware. Yes. Yeah. Where like it's open world, but also like. You could kind of mess up, especially especially in two, because you could just like miss people completely and stuff. Oh, you, should we tell him about the consequences in two, Thomas, or should we let him find out on his own? <laughs> I mean, I found out on my own the first. All time. right, go let him find out on his own. I guess I'll find out on my own. Sure. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this about one, Steve, and I'll stop after this because I know I go on. Um, you're right that it's slow. And if you're not like a hardcore fan, I can understand not playing. You don't need to do all the details. Just focus on. The main story missions, and also between missions, walk around the ship and talk to all your crewmates. Yeah, that all was kind of what was burning me out. I was doing all the side quests on the Citadel, and like after an hour, hour and a half, I'm just like, uh. You don't have to. The side, yeah. it, it's very grindy. It's very, it's old school RPG stuff, yeah, right? It's old, yeah, it's old in that regard. The most important thing in playing one for a new fan, I think, is making the connections with 
Liar, Rex, Garrus, T- and Tally, and fuck the two humans, they suck. Um, That's pretty much my... <laughs> yeah, because they'll be recurring characters, and if you build the connection early, it's more meaningful later. All right. Well, good to Steve's know. Around, Steve's walking around for three hours scanning the keepers. And it's oh, like, the fucking keepers, yes, man. <laughs> that quest is the worst. Every time I play the game, I have always miss one, and it's always the same one. I missed Every one the last time, and I was fucking like... time. I was up till like 2 a.m. one night, like, no, I'm doing this tonight. And I was texting my friends. I was like, I don't think this exists. I think my game's broken. <laughs> I and always miss the one that's off to the right on the platform in the council chamber. Every single time. I'm going to forget by the time I play it again in two years. <laughs> yeah, for real. Play, it's like in Fallout when you're in the pit and you need to collect the 100 silver ingots. It's basically <sighs> impossible. Or the uh, Crimson Nurn Root in Skyrim. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, I, I always install a mod specifically to turn that sound effect off, and it's a fucking lifesaver. <laughs> well, that's a good uh, segue, I guess, to the Will Ponder of the Week. And the Will Ponder of the Week is anyone that scans all the keepers or collects all the Nurn Roots or finds all the ingots. How is that Will Pottery? Because I'm the person who always does all of those I know, things. I feel personally attacked right now. I thought okay. we had some real Will Pottery this week. We do, we do. Uh, the Will Ponds of the week are Ice Hockey, excuse me, Ice Arizona Hockey LLC, who happen to be the owners of the Arizona Coyotes. And they are also the owners of over three, $1.3 million in unpaid state and city taxes. They finally did pay them like two days later because they got oh, they- counted. Yeah, yeah they basically, basically, basically the city was going to kick them out of their stadium. They got publicly shamed. It's amazing that this yeah, is the did. point we're at where we have to publicly shame powerful groups into paying their fucking taxes. They said uh, it was a clerical crazy. error that caused them to not uh-huh. pay their taxes. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and like, I'm the of France. <laughs> it's, it's a clerical error that's like millions of dollars and years of unpaid taxes. And they were like, yeah, we're fine. We're good. Don't worry about it. And everyone was like, this "Okay, is, this is not that. This is not the first time they've had quote unquote clerical errors either, because apparently they've stiff vendors before. They've yes. had even player payments issues, and so they've like bullied vendors into like lowering their costs, and so it's it's a very bad operation. Yeah. down there, it's it's real rough. Now imagine the Coyotes were decent actually as a as a team. They so basically they started to get um, analytically. Uh, they, they they went in that direction where they started to get smarter and then they were bad and fired everyone. So that's how that went. <laughs> that also that's sounds extremely Will Pony. <laughs> Are we sure this they aren't actually owned by a distant Will Pond relative? It is a possibility. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a thing for a while and people thought it was gonna be like finally them coming back and they were like they made the playoffs like once or twice or something. I don't remember. it this was also I'm getting my timelines mixed up because they are not a successful franchise overall. Mm-hmm. And then like they hired this really young GM and he was like, he was like 30 and like really analytically inclined and they didn't really beef up the analytical office around him. And then they fired everyone. And apparently the front office culture was like awful. So <laughs> that's how that's going down there. And they might move to Houston. So <laughs> that's how that's going. Oh boy. It's a really bad operation down there. It's rough. Yep. They have good jerseys though. So, yeah, they do have a good logo. Because they changed it back pretty much to the 90s one. 
I just wish the Kraken were better. I mean, they, 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 they'll draft high this year, so that's fun. Mm. But they hide, like, their GM's like Ron Francis, like a 60 year old. I don't, hockey. I don't know like, enough about hockey yet to understand how to root for a bad team. <laughs> it's, it's hard. You, you watch your goalie get stranded, and then you pick a, a good winger or center in the uh-huh. first round. That's it. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> Got it. Understood. Well, let's go Rangers. I refuse to root for a Dolan team. I don't need that in my life. I'm not going. I'm not going to have good at, only one of them is good at, is good at a time, and the Knicks have been bad this year. So that's all you need to know. I refuse to immediately burden myself with the shackles of a Dolan fandom immediately <laughs> after the universe deemed de- deemed me worthy of being relieved of Will Pottery. That's me throwing <laughs> a point. gift. That's me begging the universe, saying, "No, I don't want this good thing. Take it away." <laughs> Very good point. All right, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Sleiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Thomas is at ZedMetSeasonSZN. And Ken is at Ken1191. Subscribe to the podcast or get your podcast from rate and review it and of course we thank you for listening and we will be back next week maybe we'll talk about baseball i don't know who knows if there is baseball things if there is baseball so until then love the mets love the mets